session. Meet Billy. Billy was looking for a new game. He traveled down to his local gaming store in search of a game. Coming across the epic role-playing game Dungeons & Dragons, Billy decides this is the one. Billy rushed home, eager and excited to start his new adventures. Sitting at the table, he cracked the tome open. Ew! Words! Does anybody know where the start button is? Join our adventure party as we delve into the social and cultural aspects of our favorite game. All while enlightening our taste buds with a random craft beer. So crack open your favorite Bardic Inspiration and roll initiative with us of Dice and Brews. fellow adventurers it's ben also known as the forever dm back with you with another session on of dyson brews today we got some interesting topics to talk about but first i wanted to delve into something a little bit different well maybe not different but i've been re-watching stranger things release of season four everybody talking about vecna and getting all happy and craziness i kind of kind of took a break from stranger things after season one to me personally i hate waiting for the next season i hate waiting for the next episode I'm that guy. I need to binge watch everything all at once. When they released season four and everybody was talking about Vecna, I was like, oh man, I need to jump back on this. I need to go back, rewatch it from season one because I haven't watched it since that one came out and then watch it all the way through. So the things about this series that get me really in the feels when you're watching it and, and everybody's like, oh, D&D, blah, 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 are the pure elements and moments of D&D captured in this show. They're really awesome. They really get you in the feels. They make you flash back and think about your own parties and your own experiences at your tables because you remember being in those situations that those kids are in from speculation on the big baddie or monster encounters when the DM describes them to how, how are we going to kill this? Like, how are we going to deal with this? You've read all about this. You've heard about these things through other shows and lore and stuff like that, but now you're up against it. How are you going to take care of this? To even putting together the clues as your party explores and finally getting the big reveal and the satisfaction of being like, fuck yeah, I knew this shit all along. I knew this is what was happening. I'm the genius. I'm the man. I'm the greatest detective in the world. To, oh wow, how did we even miss that? It was right in front of our faces the whole time and we couldn't even get that right. The DM did just such a good job of hiding it or maybe they didn't divulge enough clues for the party to get it. Anyway, this also got me thinking about flaws of characters. To me, the best part about D&D characters are their flaws. Playing into your flaws as a D&D character is one of the high points in my mind because not everybody is an invincible juggernaut that can take down anything. So when your players, or you as a player, play your character flaws, that's when the true hero shines. And especially when you're over able to overcome those flaws, such as the characters in this show. When you put everything on the line and you realize that you're the last hope and you have everything to lose and everybody is dependent on you and you have to overcome your flaws, those are true heroic moments. And I think that's what's a great thing about this game is you get to act and react 
and have true heroic moments where you can be the hero and feel like a hero. I mean, like, Stranger Things is like the true underdog story, right? Everybody roots for the underdog. Everybody loves the underdog. Anyway, rewatching Stranger Things, really like how that show is going and progressing. Can't wait for season five now. And now I'm back on the same, same little thing that I was on before, which is, here we go. Anyways, this also got me thinking, like, are movies dead? I mean, hear me out. Everyone wants a longer movie, and we all get pissed that studios cut parts out of films to get that optimal runtime, which sometimes makes the very fabric of a story feel rushed or incomplete. But these new series on these streaming platforms are pumping out cinematic quality visuals with time for character development, and for the most part, pretty good storytelling. So, here's what I'm proposing. Release the movie as episodic seasons, with the finale being released as the movie. This way you get high quality cinematic visuals with storytelling of television series seasons. It's the best of both worlds. And who wouldn't watch it? When you spend all this time watching episodes of Stranger Things, just because we were talking about it already, and they say, oh, we're going to release the finale in the theater. And it's going to be two hours long and we're just going to go oh, no holds bar. Think of how many people would dress up as their favorite Stranger Things people and go to these movie theaters and watch them with their friends, with the people that they watch the show for. They'd make a killing. The only thing getting in their way is the studios and the streaming services and how they're going to split that revenue. But tell me if I'm wrong. I mean, that's I think that's a brilliant idea. But you guys tell me what you guys think about that. And now we're going to go straight to what's on tap. Have a pint, take a break, and relax. It's my favorite part of the show. So tell me, boys, what's on tap? All right, so today on tap, we have Founders All Day IPA, which is a session ale. It is 4.7 alcohol by volume. 4.7 all then. 4.7, I haven't even cracked this open yet. 4.7 alcohol by volume and 42 IBUs. We are looking at a can. It is a very colorful can. It reminds me of back in the days when you went camping with your folks and they loaded up all the stuff on top of the of the minivan or the Jeep back in the day and, and you went into, off into the woods. This is brewed by Founders Brewing Company out of Boulder, Colorado. Let me read you the little... Uh, excerpt they have on the untapped page it kind of reminds me of a little D kind of thing we don't brew beers for the masses instead our beers are crafted for a chosen few a small cadre of renegades and rebels who enjoy beer that pushes the limits of what is commonly accepted as taste in short we make beer for people like us founders brewed for us <laughs> kind of sounds like a little message that a mayor would spark in a town when they're at their worst and they need some some push and some inspiration to keep on trucking <laughs> or something like that but anyway let's crack this baby open and let's see what we're working with it's got a nice sound although all cans sound the same sometimes ah, nice big healthy swig oh yeah this is a, this is a good one i like this it's i haven't had an ipa in quite some time this is not one of those uh, very bitter, harsh IPAs at the end. This is very fluid. This is very smooth, but it definitely has that IPA taste, and it's very, it's very citrusy, in my opinion. 
I'll keep sipping on this throughout the session, and I'll get back to you with a verdict at last call. And we'll see how well Founders All Day IPA Session Ale did. So my D&D group campaign is getting pretty chaotic, and in a good way. I wanted to create a feeling of overwhelming choices and a real sandbox of places to visit, making the world feel vast and unexplored. But somehow, all these places are vaguely, or in some cases, directly related to my PCs to pique their interest in these places. But before I tell you about what's happening right now, let me tell you how we got started. And this is the homebrew section that I kind of want to bring to your attention. And this is kind of aimed at beginning DMs or DMs that usually start their campaigns in the same ways. Our happy hour topic is going to be introducing these guys that come in after watching Stranger Things and say, well, how do I get started in D&D? Where's the next step? What do I do? So the homebrew section is kind of an homage to players that are already playing, newer DMs or DMs that kind of feel that that cycle, that never-ending cycle of starting your campaign in a tavern. The true storytelling in a D&D campaign comes from your players. So aside from the zero session that we had, I really had no knowledge of, of how these, this group of people that I was putting together or, or was DMing for would play alongside each other or how they played individually because I had never had that experience. So I thought it best to start with something I knew pretty well and had a lot and a bit of everything at the same time. So I started with the classic, the Sunless Citadel. A lot of awesome NPCs and a dungeon crawl, mysterious things, and you could really expand on the if the PCs wanted. Plus it made the DM prep on me is less intense at the beginning because I had already run it a couple times, but this is a new time I was running it for these guys. But I started this campaign with something that I've never done before in a group and kind of putting the campaign in the PC's hands right off the bat. And let me tell you, it was amazing. It was so much fun. And honestly, like I will try to give my PCs the start to a campaign that they kind of want as opposed to the stuff that I write by myself. So I described their character standing on a small hill underneath a tree in the pouring rain. Being on the road for about a week and a half now escorting a person to the town in search of the life-giving fruit from the Sunless Citadel. Here's the crazy part. I didn't create the PC that they were escorting. I had the players do it in the very moment right then and there as a narrative. Our first roles at the table were to determine who went first in describing the NPC. Now, of course, I came up with some questions. So at any point, if the party felt lost for ideas, I would ask them specific question about this NPC. This start was good for a couple reasons, in my opinion. Right off the bat, they had to be attentive. Not only to me, but to the other party members and what was being said about the NPC and all the details. Plus, whenever you create something, even the smallest detail, it becomes part of you. Become attached to it and you want to know more about it. Number two, it created a social atmosphere right off the bat. It didn't really give anybody a chance to be Aragon in the corner at the tavern. It didn't give you a chance to separate yourself from the group. Even the most outgoing social person has hesitation in a new environment. Instead of putting the focus of the table on one specific person, put the focus on something that the table is creating together. It eases the anxiety and creates more of a comfortable environment for everybody to participate in when problem solving or other interactions need to occur. When they found out that they were creating a person, when, when it was happening organically, it became a fun exercise. It became, we're doing this together. I don't have to do it by myself. We're all doing it together. It's all happening. And then on top of that, it put less stress on me. All I had to do was sit there and take notes about this NPC and remember him later. But it was awesome. 
And of course, when you give the players at your table the power like that, sometimes it creates silliness. But six months into this campaign and those moments still find their way back into sessions via storytelling or even as inside jokes. When you created this character, this character will live in infamy just because of what was said and the party building and the chemistry that was created at the table at that session. Give your players agency. Give them more to do. Let them help you craft a story. Honestly, like I think the beginning of campaigns are a huge deal. How you start your campaign and the things that you present to players in that first 20 minutes of your first session can make or break your session. They set the tone. So if you're going to give the players agency, if you're going to let them help you create a magnificent world and wonderful adventure, then do something like this. Give it to them right off the bat. Because if you have these groups formed offline groups and people that have never met, you kind of take the tension out of the environment for even the most social people. And you give them a free feeling and a feeling of camaraderie because they're already creating something. And they didn't even know that it was happening, but it's awesome. now that Stranger Things has a, a Vecna-type grasp on the whole world and everybody is talking about Dungeons and Dragons, you got all these people flocking to you like, oh, you play Dungeons and Dragons? How do I get started? Where do I go? What do I do next? Thank you for everybody that commented on my post on my Facebook and Instagram. I had a variety of answers and would like to spend more time touching on some of these. First of all, let's talk game stores. Most of the time, when you are in search of a new game or seeking a playgroup for war games, skirmish games, D&D games, role-playing games of, of other natures, you go to a game store. And you these are the places that generally have tables set up for these type of things and a, and a wall with scheduled events and so forth and so on. First and foremost, the pro of game stores is availability. They always have games going on. And then on top of that, it's a protected, controlled environment. Dice and books are at your fingertips. And most are very welcoming and accommodating. Plus, you have rotating players, so you're able to expand who you get to play in the game with. Not everybody's going to be the same all the time. Although, like, once you get into D&D, you don't want to miss D&D night 90% of the time. Unless it's absolutely have to. But also, there's cons of game stores. Sometimes it can be too crowded. Lack of a zero session if you're jumping into an existing game. Rotating players can be a negative because if you're building story arcs with players at your table and they're not able to make it or they jump out and jump back in, you can't continue those arcs. And then sometimes it's hard to open up when there's so many people around, there's so many other things going around in a game store, people coming in and out to buy things, people playing other games. Loud noises. It's hard to get comfortable. It's hard to get in your into your character skin and be yourself or be who you want to be in this character. But game stores are a very functional, very accessible resource for newer players trying to get into this game. Another way that you can get people into D&D when they ask you, like, how do you get started in D&D is you can invite them to your game. The pros of inviting them into your game is it's an intimate environment. Aside from that game store, this is a very small place with a, a handful of people out 
uh, as opposed to all those outside distractions and noises. Small groups lead to better teaching points. You're able to dive into certain sections of this game more detailed as opposed to game stores that have bigger groups that maybe you can't get that one-on-one attention from the DM. Then on top of that, if they're your friend, a personal relationship with this person who's trying to get into this game is already established. They already feel comfortable around you. They've come to you and they asked you in their most vulnerable time, how do I become a nerd? (laughs) But anyway, and then most likely like the rest of your group will be on board because either they know this person as well or they trust you and they're like, hey, yeah, that's cool. We're down with new people. It's all good. The cons of inviting them to your own game. Maybe your group is too far along for a new player. Maybe you're already level five, six, and you got a new person coming along. The last thing you want to do is throw them a whole bunch of rules when they haven't got a zero session and they haven't got a chance to play level one and fight goblins and kobolds and all that great stuff. Maybe the group is already at a decent size. Maybe your DM, if you are the DM or you're just a player, maybe your DM says, nah, you know what? Five is my limit. And we have five. I can't really invite anybody else to the table. And I already said this, but no zero session. Like I said before, that zero sessions are kind of the most important part because that's like your elevator pitch as a DM to your players to say, this is the type of story I want to tell. This is how we're going to go on this adventure. This is what we're going to focus on, which leads to maybe the subject matter may be offensive or not interesting to the potential players. The last thing you want to do when somebody comes to you and says, listen, I want to get into this game is you have them join your game and then they're like, well, this is not interesting to me and nah, no thank you, I'm done. Especially as a DM, like it's hard to invite players to an existing game for me because you don't know how they play or they don't even know how they play or what they're interested in. Yes, you can talk to them. Yes, you can ask them questions, but it's just sometimes it just doesn't click. And the last thing you want to do as a DM or a player is ruin that spark that somebody had because maybe your subject matter or your group wasn't exactly what they looked for. Not that it's a bad thing, it just happens. The other response that I got was, here's a book, read it, call me afterwards. (laughs) The pros to that is maybe you can be a bit more familiar with what you're jumping into. Ideas on character creation, experience you're looking for it kind of the worst part about the player's handbook in my opinion is is if you're new and you're not into this kind of stuff is it kind of reads like stereo instructions as simplified as fifth edition is it can still be daunting and overwhelming if you open that book and you have no idea what you're looking at especially if you're reading by yourself i mean if you want to get together and read it with them or walk them through character creation or explain some things to them while they have their book, that's great, that's cool. But sometimes being left alone with that tome of knowledge is overwhelming and it's a daunting task. I have only once read cover to cover the player's handbook. And honestly, I still don't remember everything in the player's handbook. Some of the cons of being handed a book and say, read it and then call me in the morning. Like I said, most most rule books read like stereo instructions. And then the sheer appearance of this tome of 200 to 300 pages can just be so intimidating that that they don't even open it. Who wants to start on page one? 99% of D&D players hate starting at level one. Just saying. (laughs) Nobody wants to start at page one, chapter one. The final way that I have to introduce to D&D is actual play shows like Critical Role, Dimension 20, stuff like that. The pros to these actual play shows is that it's awesome D&D and story content. You got high production, invigorating experience, 
and you get to see D&D in action. It's all its glory. And then on top of that, you kind of get to see a human aspect to it. You get to see how players get to feed into other player characters. You get to see how players become the story. It's not just a DM. It's not like a video game. You get to see it in action. You get to see how it plays out. The cons? Well, just like everybody says, the cons of watching actual play shows and, and podcasts is sometimes that new player's experience or expectations when they first get around the table can be skewed. Maybe they wanted Dimension 20 or they wanted Critical Role. Don't we all? Sometimes that's not attainable. Sometimes you don't have those type of players or that DM at your table. So when a new player, after watching three seasons of Critical Role now, and then get to a table are like, well, this is nothing like what I saw on the internet. And then they're just shut off from it. Also, on these actual play shows, runtime is daunting and overwhelming. You click on some of these shows and it's a four-hour runtime. Who has time to watch that? Unless you are addicted to this game already. And then there's that thing that I was kind of mentioning. is like, you've created a critical monster! Where everybody wants to play with Matt Mercer. I love the guy to death. He's an amazing DM. But nobody's like that guy. Okay, well, yeah, there's a few. There's a handful. There are talent. There's very talented DMs out there. Not every single DM is as finely tuned in as Matthew Mercer. It's just not practical to expect that from every DM at every table. Although every DM would tell you that they would love to be that or love to be that prepared or love to have that much time to plan. Now, after going through all these, how you would or how we should introduce new players to D&D, let me tell you what I would recommend. So first, if you have somebody that's wanting to get into D&D and you have the game already, invite them to your game, but as a spectator. Maybe tell your DM or your other players, hey, can we run a one-shot or a quicker session this time around? I got somebody that wants to come and watch us. Or if you know that your group is really killer, like my group, and they just absolutely murder role play and character interaction and there's never dead moments or dead space or lack of direction, then just run your normal game because it will be entertaining. That way they can experience what a game looks like feels like without the pressure of having to know what to do also it's real it's not voice actors unless you play with voice actors but then awesome that's great but it's real it's genuine it's just a bunch of friends around a table having some snacks rolling some dice it feels like a good time it feels obtainable see if they vibe with the environment and if they're still interested in playing afterwards check in with them see what they say and then answer any questions that they have. Even after, ask the group if they can open it up for questions during the game. Or after the game. Like, everybody sit around the table with a new person and be like, hey, like, what'd you think? How did it go? What were your feelings? Did you feel anything? Like, is there, are you still interested in this? Also, another good way is if you feel comfortable, if you already are a DM or you want to be a DM, an aspiring DM, is to run a one-shot tailored to one person. That way, it's an easy jump in for you to get in as a DM. And it's an easy jumping for the player. You don't have to run an extravagant adventure to get somebody into D&D. You just don't. But you can tell a great story with just two people. And then see if you can ignite fires through a solo adventure with one another, one person and yourself. These are all great ways to get started into D&D. And more often than not, you'll find that your friends and families are the ones that guide you as you start your adventure. And just like this wonderful game... The options on how you go about your adventures is totally up to you. The most important part is that you just get started. Just get them going. All right, you trolls, it's last call!
All right, we're back at last call. Now we're back to our verdict on Founders All Day IPA Session Ale. Once again, it's 4.7 alcohol by volume, 42 IBUs. You know, I'm a huge IPA fan. I like rough IPAs, though. I like that bitter punch you in the face, suck the saliva out of your mouth, can't stand to take another sip. That's my kind of IPA. This is an entry-level IPA. This is... I think I want to try something else, but I'm not sure if I want to go all the way bitter. It's a solid drink. It's a daily drinker, in my opinion. And those are two qualities that you have to have in a beer in this, in my format of rating drinks. But because it's not to my taste, I'm going to give Founders All Day IPA Session Ale a 2 out of 4. You disappoint me. All right, fellow adventurers, in closing on this session of Dyson Brews, I hope you found a way to answer those questions when people come to you after they just watch Stranger Things and they say, hey, how do I get started in D&D? Instead of just handing them a book, invite them to your game. Invite them to your family. Or become a DM yourself because now there's a whole bunch of players that want to play our amazing game and share in our adventures. So, in closing, the world is taken over by D&D. Now another adventure begins. Your quest to take up the mantle of Dungeon Master and lead this new wave of players into the future so they can explore the dungeon, get the loot, and save the world. And remember, life's an adventure. Roll with it.